is Brent, and I'm here with Stephen. It's good to be back with the Midweek Podcast. Absolutely. You know, I'm excited to hear from Bud Wright today, hear a little bit of his story. Yeah. Uh, but before we do so, we need to talk a little bit about last Sunday. Yeah, it was a, a joy to be able to go continue our, our, our journey through the book of John. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> kind of as we're, as we're kind of reviewing that, I know that you've had some time to, to think through some things. Um, what's something you kind of want to go back to and maybe retouch on? Yeah, you know, First uh, Corinthians 15 is one of those texts I reference. Early on, you have this statement that John the Baptist makes, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. And we reference several of those kind of gospel in a nutshell texts. You know, Romans 1, 16 through 17, Romans 6, 23. Uh, and First Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 in particular, I want to spend a little bit of time on just to, uh, to swim in that a little bit more. Great. Yeah. You know, a lot of times in... in uh, Christianity early on is is they memorized a lot of theology by these these creeds these oral teachings that would be given uh, that people would memorize key components of their faith mm-hmm. uh, and so they were incredible gifts well this is one of those spots where some scholars put this creed kind of a hidden creed uh, here in First Corinthians fifteen that they date back maybe between three to five years after Christ very early on this this developed and would have been passed around it would have been something. Your kids would have known, you would have known, men men and women, everybody in the church would have kind of had this confession. And how do we know that? It's because they've received this passing and receiving language mm. that's here. So, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen, let me read that for us and just kind of walk through this basic gospel message as believers that we, and we want our church family at Grace to be competent uh, and confident, to be able to articulate and share with others, that, that we want it to mark our lives, but this is the message of the gospel, this good news message. So uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and I'll just read a couple verses before, but Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. So it's this thing that was proclaimed, which you received. So this message he preached, they received it, and in which you now stand. So it marks their life. They hold to this faith. They hold to this teaching, this content, uh, and it marks them. And verse 2, and by which you are being saved. It's it's renewing their life. If you hold fast to the word, I preach to you. This giving a statement, this if you, kind of to say you are doing this. This is right. who you are. Yes. Kind of like saying, Stephen, if you're my friend, you'll do this with me. Well, you are my friend. You'll yeah. do this with me, <laughs> I think. Am I your friend? I hope so, okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and But then he finishes there before verse 3. He says, unless you believed in vain. So the gospel message, yes, it impacts our life. Yes, we live it, but the gospel, we must remember, is a message that is meant to be believed, uh, mm-hmm. to be believed. And here it is. This is what Paul says in verse 3. This is the gospel message in a nutshell. Again, mark your Bible with this. But he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. It's that delivering and receiving. It's this creedal message of what is the gospel. Well, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. So who is Christ? He's the Son of God, sent from God, the anointed one uh, that would take on flesh, dwell among us, live a sinless life. So that Christ died for our sins. Uh, sin is lawlessness. It's it's breaking the law of God. It's living outside of his will for us. It's truly missing the mark. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. God has revealed himself in his word, uh, and he foreshadowed the Christ that would, would, would come. And so I'll read it again. I'm just walking through it little section by section, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he continues on, but three and four, that's the nutshell. But verse five, he keeps saying then, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, uh, that is Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That's a statement for uh, they, they've passed on, they've died. Uh, but if you go down to verse 11, he says, whether, you, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now, this really is a marking of believers. This is what makes us Christians. It's this message that we, we live our lives by, we speak it, we proclaim it, and we are to believe it and be living it. And that's the beautiful message that all of us are able to share, whether we're a little child uh, mm. or a full-grown uh, woman or man. It's a beautiful news, isn't it, Stephen? It is, yeah. Praise God. Well, I have the privilege today of sitting down with Bud Wright, uh, one of our elders and a church member here at Grace. So, Bud, thanks for being here with us. Glad to be here. Good. Um, you and Kathy have been here a while. Uh, how, how long ago did you and Kathy uh, come to Grace? We came to Grace this summer. It will be 41 years ago, and we were married in 1979, and shortly thereafter, we joined Grace. And I had been coming to Grace for a, the prior year. She was living in Tucson teaching, and so I was a relatively new believer, and, uh, and when we were dating, we came to Grace them and really liked it. That's awesome. Um, you know— Time changes things, and so I'd be curious to know, when you came uh, to Grace Bible Church back then, 1979, you said, um, what did the church look like then? I would say it was smaller. There were uh, not too many people in that 30 to 40 range, age range, and consequently, there weren't many children here, and uh, there were a number of older people. And uh, I can recall in that 30 to 40-year-old range, uh, the Busbys were here, the Davises were here, that would be Gail and Dudley, and uh, and then Bob and Jean Nelson. Uh, but it was, uh, it, it was a totally different makeup. Uh, and fortunately... Uh, the year, the next year, I guess in 1980, I think the Hearsts and the Kegels came, mm -hmm. and then a number of other uh, uh, young couples came. But I do recall that it, when we did uh, join Grace, uh, Bill and Margaret Flynn were uh, had a Bible study in their home, mm -hmm. and we went to that Bible study, attended that, and their boys were little babies, and uh, anyway, it was a great start, and I think it's just amazing that Bill is still teaching today. So, still at it. Still at it. What a what a faithful guy. Yeah. So you're kind of maybe lacking in that thirty to forty range. What were what was maybe uh, uh, an age range that was maybe predominantly there, or what were some other kind of things that were um, distinctives of the kind of ministry that was going on at that time? Well, they were a a number of older people, and amongst them was a group of very faithful women who prayed fervently for young families and children, just knowing that you need that in order to perpetuate a ministry. And so uh, that's probably the most prominent thing I remember about those days. Mm, yeah. Um, it's... <clears throat> 
I think the Lord maybe only knows how how many blessings we've received from the faithful prayers of those women, even even today, uh, as we're kind of writing on that. Um, and so, how have you seen the Lord answer some of those prayers? So, as you look at the church today, how is it different, and how do you see the Lord answering those prayers? Well, I I see it in terms of. We're now a multi-generational church. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent emphasizes that quite often, which I think is great. Uh, we have just uh, a church full of little children and young families, and uh, I, I think it's a it, it's a much livelier church today than uh, it was back in that day. Mm-hmm. I think we're, it's a very healthy church now, and we're enjoying a very sweet season. Yeah. So uh, being here for 41-ish years, um, you've experienced a lot of life, you know, and you've had your own children. You've had all these things. Um, you got grandkids. You've got all these, uh, this, a lot of life that's, that's been lived here. Um, what's been part of your motivation to stay or to remain committed um, to Grace Bible Church, what's kind of kept you here? I would say that it was it's the people that we have enjoyed doing ministry with, mm-hmm. the sincerity in their faith and their intentionality is something that is very attractive, and it, it, you want to be around people like that. Yeah. And I would say just as important is the fact that Grace teaches the Bible and believes in the Bible and is not swayed when our culture uh, takes a turn away from Scripture. Yeah. Man, praise God for that, that He's protected us and kept us. Um, well, but I'm I'm so grateful for you. I know that our family prays for you constantly, you and the other elders. Um, thank you so much for serving, for leading, and uh, being uh, such a, a great caregiver to our church. I'm really grateful for you. Well, thank you. It's my privilege uh, and my pleasure to serve and I thoroughly enjoy serving with the the men that I'm serving with right now and we recently read a book and one of the points the writer made was three of the most important facets of an elder is humility humility and humility and <laughs> these guys I can say are all extremely humble no one has an yeah. agenda and it's a it's just a blessing, and by God's grace, we're like-minded on everything, and so uh, I've really enjoyed it. Praise God. Well, bud, I hope you enjoy your week. Thanks again for being here. Glad to do it. John 1, 38 through 51 is coming up for this Sunday, and uh, where are we gonna, what are we going to be hearing? What are we going to be uh, looking at there? Yeah, so as we follow the movement of John, uh, we've got Andrew. He hears about who Jesus is, and, and he's Christianity is contagious. It's a contagious religion. It's a contagious <laughs> faith. And, and so we're going to notice this big idea, uh, helping people find Jesus. And found people uh, love to find people. That's a saying that's been used many times. Uh, but it's it's very true. We see it contagious in the Gospel of John that people that that know who Jesus is that realize, wait, this really is Jesus. Mm-hmm. They can't help but go tell people and bring him to Jesus. And so we're going to note this Sunday a couple particular ways and patterns that we see unfolding here in these next 
a few verses as we finish off John chapter 1. We're going to note together then uh, how we can help people find Jesus, and we have to see them, and we have to be willing to speak to them. But we're going to gain some incredible insights that are right here in front of us in this text. So I cannot wait for Sunday, Stephen. And I note that we're singing a new song this week. Is that right? Yeah, we are. It's called Kyrie Eleison. Um, I know. Yeah, I'll need you to explain that because when I saw that, I thought maybe that was the name of the singer. What's that mean? What's I mean, that, that would about? be a pretty name, wouldn't that it? That would be beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it means uh, Lord have mercy. And uh, so this, this song will kind of fit in this, uh, the man, what we call the man portion, mm-hmm. God, man, Christ response, the man portion where we're confessing and thinking on our sinfulness and our need for Christ. Um, and so the verses are very confessional, um, you know, for... Uh, I'll just read a couple of the, of the things here for the for the things we've done and left undone, for the ways we've wandered from your heart, for the idols we put on your throne, for the loves we choose above your own, and more. It says more. Um, uh, and it says, "Forgive us." We pray, uh, and we plead for the Lord's mercy. And we know, of course, in Christ, He's given that to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to acknowledge that. We can't just take it for granted. Uh, we need to confess our need, our dependence on Him. Mm-hmm. The fact that we do tend to put idols on thrones, we tend to worship ourselves, and um, there's lots of, of ways that we that we sin and we need Him. And so we do want to ask for the Lord's mercy. It's a good pattern for us to do that. Um, but then to be quickly reassured, as we'll sing mm-hmm. in the Christ uh, section of our service um, will be reassured of the pardon we have in uh, in Christ Jesus. It's also family service. That's right. And uh, we're observing the Lord's Supper as yes. well this Sunday. So that'll be rich. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, we I, I, God, man, Christ response. Uh, what a beautiful component. What beautiful components to have etched into our mind as we come up on Lord's Supper Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. We want to we want that to be a a good way for us to remember the gospel. And even as we as we're going to be talking about looking looking around, seeing who we can share this good news with, it's a good framework for us to remember uh, the good news of Jesus Christ that we can share with others. Can't wait. We'll see you Sunday, Stephen. See you there.